Hello, church. My name is Sky Becker. Um, and like Pastor Myung mentioned, that I'm, I'm healing. I'm healing. Yes, I'm healing and delivering, <laughs> you guys. I am serving as a healing and deliverance minister, a pastor in this house. And I am really excited to preach today. Um, and in fact, I was so excited to preach the word that I couldn't even fall asleep last month when, last month when pa- Pastor Christian told me that I'll be preaching because Um, And this in itself is a miracle and a testimony because I used to have a crazy stage fright when I was a kid. And I was one of those kids when uh, your parents tell you to sing a song at a Christmas party. I would sing, uh, what is that song? You better not, you better watch out, you better not cry, that song. I would sing that song crying. (laughs) Yeah, you better not cry. That was was me. So for me to be excited to be on stage and to preach, that's really work of God. And... um, I know I'm excited because this is not about me. And I'm very excited to share about what God has done in my life and how amazing he is and all the testimonies that he has written in my life, um, you know, to deliver that message to you today. So with all that to say, no pressure, right? (laughs) I'll be preaching on healing and deliverance of my life today. Uh, How fitting for an H&D pastor, right? Uh, you will get to know a lot about me. It's going to feel like you and I are real tight after this message. Okay? So the title of my sermon is True Healing and Deliverance. True Healing and Deliverance. And let's turn to today's scripture, 2 Corinthians 12, 9-10. Second Corinthians twelve nine to ten. Let's read it all together. Reading from the ESV. But he said to me, Oh, sorry, I'll give you one, two, three. <laughs> Let's read it all together. One, two, three. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast in all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that he power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, ships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. So how many of you guys know what healing and deliverance is about? Or how many of you guys, and how many of you guys have had your own H&D sessions? Wow, that's a lot of you guys. So so for those of you who don't know anything about healing and deliverance, it's not as scary as, as it sounds. Uh, it's actually very simple. Uh, we all have a past. We all have um, uh, a sins and scars that we carry and that we need to be healed and delivered of. And by sitting down with fellow brothers and sisters and some leaders of the church, you get time to confess your sins and uh, you get to repent, which means not just saying, sorry, I did such and such, but I'm going to turn away. Repent means to turn away and also to renounce the, the sins out of your life. And renounce also means to forsake, completely cut ties with. So it's like uh, your dirty clothes that you're wearing, you're taking it off and completely throwing it away. That's what renounce means. So many people live uh, wearing lies as their own, like, you are ugly, you are a failure, um, you are not going to succeed. Things that, the lies that come with the sins that we have dealt with in the past, and by renouncing, you are saying no more to these lies. 
So like Pastor Christian priest, we have the power to say no. Amen? So that's what, uh, that's the gist of healing and deliverance ministry. And JM and I got to, JM is John Michael, my uh, husband, and he and I got to witness uh, every single HND sessions, God bringing healing and deliverance to all, uh, every single kinds of sins or every single kinds of bondages or hurts that they have in the past. There was no fail that God has restored them, restored them and uh, allowed them to live their lives to the fullest. Uh, in John 10.10, 10, it says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus came for us not only so that we can be forgiven of our sin, but we can live our lives in freedom and have it to the full. Amen. So we have about 300 people coming out to New Philly amongst all three campuses, and around 200 of them are leaders. And almost all our leaders went through some form of HND. Uh, which means two-thirds of, two of the church is healed and delivered. That's why this house is so healthy. And this house is so... And you can feel that spirit of freedom in this house because we don't judge you for who, what you have done in the past. There is no uh, condemnation in this house because we have all de- dealt with things and, and gone through our own healing and deliverance. And... Um, yeah... And PC makes fun of people with it all the time, honestly, <laughs> with people's testimonies because we, yeah, there's no nobody that is, um, I guess, ha- doesn't have a story to share. And, you know, it's so free and it's so, uh, I guess, free <laughs> to share your stories. So, you know, we, we the leaders share our testimonies all the time on the pulpit or in our small groups to encourage uh, and to extend this uh, amazing just experience of being able to be healed and delivered. So, mm, and I want to say, Roman, in Romans 3.23, it says that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and there's nothing new under the sun, Ecclesiastes 1.9. And there's no sin that someone else hasn't dealt with, and you are not alone in this. So, okay, let's get into my HND story now. <laughs> I'm going to try to summarize it because it's really long. Uh, but I, pre- I prepared a slideshow to go along with my story. <laughs> it's a year of inspiration, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so if Westfall can put it up on the. Ta da! It's very inspiring, right? Uh, that's me. Uh, and that's Semi. I'm sorry, Sammy. <laughs> so fasting, fast forwarding my story to college. This is actually my first time in Virginia Tech, where I yeah, where I attended. <laughs> that is college. <laughs> yes, yes. I gotta go on with the story. Okay. So that is in college. That's actually our first time in Virginia Tech, me and Sammy. And uh, we actually are in high school. This is our senior in high school, and we were just visiting before we attend the school. And I'm sorry I dragged Sammy along because I didn't want to be embarrassed by myself. So <laughs> and notice our overalls. Uh, it's very cool. It's very hip back then. And um, we're actually standing on a memorial monument, and we got yelled at for taking a picture here. But we were pretty wild and crazy. Um, and next slide. Oh. 
This is when John Michael and I first met in 2004. And the key point of this picture is, yes, I know the height difference. Uh, and John Michael's headband, that's not a hat. That's a really thick headband. <laughs> and he called it a marriage protector because it kept sisters away from approaching him. <laughs> Uh, yes, and also my hip echo sweater is a key point as well. But yes, uh, uh, apart from all the fun and laughter, this picture is a very critical moment of my life because I was at a totally opposite place of where I am right now. So in 2004, how old was I? I don't know how old I, how old I was, but in this picture, uh, I had just graduated from high school after immigrating to the States with my family when I was 13. And um, when my parents and I and my younger brother moved to the States, my parents' marriage fell apart. And soon after we moved, uh, my parents got divorced. And my dad has always been a very depressed, angry man. Uh, and, you know, when we moved to the States, things, things got hard and they separated. And um, it, it was actually an incident where my dad was forcefully taken away by the cops for trying to, um, well, threatening to kill my mom and abusing my mom. And that was the moment where I started having no father figure in my life. And my mom got remarried right away. And although I genuinely loved my stepdad, he was also verbally pretty uh, abusive and very broken himself. So I wasn't fed the father's love that I needed. So I was, and I was all, always told that I'm selfish, I can't do anything, and I felt rejected my, by, by my own parents or by my own stepdad. So I was very broken in this picture and hungry for love and peace in my life because I never felt that peace. Uh, my parents always fought. My stepbrothers were in and out of jail, and I felt like the whole family was on my shoulders. So I didn't like being home. I just didn't like being with my family, period. So, and I always wondered if I would ever have a decent marriage myself. And most importantly, I didn't know God. That's where I was in this picture. Next slide. <laughs> this is right after I got saved. Um, this is actually a Bible study that was led by John Michael. And it was, it's only a few months after the previous picture. So when I attended college, I met John Michael through a fellowship called CCF. And it was a very fiery, uh, Holy Spirit-filled, just God-loving fellowship in Virginia Tech. And John Michael was my class's home group leader, kind of like a uh, like a house church, but with the, all the freshmen of the year. So kind of like a tiny version of Emmaus. And he also led our Bible study because he was inspired by me who was uh, evangelized by a Jehovah's Witness <laughs> and uh, started doing a Bible study. So he saw the need for us to <laughs> be uh, shepherded with by the right person, not a Jehovah's Witness, right? So praise God for John Michael. Um, and John Michael really taught me what it means when people say Jesus loves you. I never felt such genuine love from anybody before. I'm not sharing this just because he's my husband. You're going to know why I'm sharing all this. But he was always so patient. And I, you know, whenever I would ask him the weirdest questions in the Bible study, 
and do the dumbest, most immature things. He was so patient with me, and I never had that before. You know, my stepdad's, my stepdad or my dad was never patient with me. And, you know, every mistake I would make, there was always pointing of fingers. But for the first time, I felt the father's love. And he, so he became such a father figure in my life, I started calling him mom. (laughs) I know that makes no sense, but uh, there were so many of us, so many of the sisters like me during that time that followed him around like little ducklings. And he was like the mama goose, so we just called him mom instead of dad. Uh, but, you know, basically he was like my spiritual covering and my father figure then. But anyway, uh, I started growing with the Lord and I was on fire. I was filled with joy and strength and I felt undefeatable. And I felt like I had the whole world. And the enemy must have gotten really jealous uh, and really anxious too because he knew what I would grow into if he just kept you know, if he just let me grow in this fiery rate. So, yeah, so I guess he really wanted me to stop me from actually being here, preaching to you guys about the goodness of God and also doing more for his kingdom. So he actually sent the guy that almost ruined my life. So my second year in college. He was an upperclassman in my major, and I got to know him on a very casual level, and I hung out with him a few times. And he started pursuing me. And when I noticed that, I tried to make it clear that I only saw him as a friend and there was nothing more. But he was very persistent and even aggressive. And he started forcing me into a relationship. And one day, because everything else didn't work, he shoved me into his car, took away my phone, and started driving away from my school. And when I saw him, he was filled with something very evil. Uh, his eyes, I could tell that it wasn't really him. And because I kept yelling at him, I begged him to turn the car away, a car around, and I cried so much that I kind of somewhat passed out in the car, but he just kept driving. And we arrived at a beach five hours away, and he all of a sudden changed his demeanor and started manipulating me to just, hey, it's okay, it's going to be fine, and let's just stay here and have fun and go back to school. So because I kind of had the friendship with him before he was being aggressive with me, I, I trusted him. So I stayed uh, at the hotel, and that night he got me drunk and raped me. And we were at the hotel for almost three days, and what happened during those days tore me apart. He raped me multiple times and broke things and screamed at me when I would fight back. And towards the end... I didn't have any strength or will to fight. I just simply gave up. And we were on the eighth floor, and I contemplated jumping off the balcony hundreds of times. When we came back to school, a part of me came back dead. I went through a period of depression. I slept through classes and life because that was the only way I could escape reality. The reality that I felt dirty, unredeemable, and ruined. But I was tormented even in my sleep. Uh, I would have reoccurring nightmares. and But not of the memory of the rape, but of me killing myself. Because I had so much hatred towards myself, more than the guy. I blame myself for everything as my stepdad has done. It was my fault. I was being dumb. I could have done something better. Uh, maybe I could have told people. 
And I was always filled by regrets and condemnation. And I asked God why. Because I even prayed so hard to prevent this from happening. Because I kind of saw it coming. But why? I hadn't told anyone for a period of time, even my best friend Semi at the time and even now. <laughs> so, And I just lived on. And one day I was in my fellowship's prayer meeting, laying down, soaking a song. And all of a sudden I had a flashback of that night. I was in the bed as the guy was um, touching my drunken body. And I saw Jesus standing by the bed. His eyes were filled with pain and sorrow that I can't describe with words. I just knew that those were the same eyes God had looked upon Jesus when he was being crucified on the cross. And he was saying, my daughter, it hurts for me to see you suffering, but I am writing a mighty testimony of redemption you don't know yet. I didn't understand what that testimony and redemption was about that time, but I decided to give God another try. I felt healed just by that memory, just by God showing me that he was with me. And I could feel God's love for me through the eyes that he showed me that he was a God who cared for me. Um, So I sought for him more than ever out of desperation. I read the word more. I didn't miss a single thing of uh, church event because without him, there was nothing else that gave me hope. And one time, I was at the peak of my depression mode, and Sammy, who was my roommate at the time, told me to ask God for help. And, and I told her kind of angrily, I said, even God can take away this sorrow. Even God can take away this depression. And I just chose to sleep instead. But when I woke up, as if God was trying to prove me wrong, I was filled with indescribable joy. So I felt in my heart the same joy I had when I first met Jesus. And that was only one of many incidents where God started healing my heart. It was many numerous incidents like that where he just came and healed my heart through verses, through memories, by telling me that you are clean, you're my pure bride, and you are a holy temple. You are a temple that I have restored, and there's nothing that is ruined in you. So, uh, yeah. And he started restoring me. And, uh, yeah, through the words and through just the truth that I am his beautiful daughter. So picture, next picture. This was in 2006. Uh, it was about a year after the incident. And John Michael at the time was serving already. He was already living in Korea, serving at the orphanage, but he came to the States to visit. And uh, he ca- always came to Virginia Tech to, you know, minister to his disciples and whatnot. And this is when he came. And that's when I told John Michael for the first time what happened. And he was the first person and only person I told. Um, and this was actually a few days after I talked to him about it. And I've never seen him angry before. <laughs> but I saw him really angry for the first time. And instead of judging me or condemning me, he was sharing my pain. 
And he was angry about the injustice that has happened. And that in itself brought so much healing to me. And um, he wrote in his journal that day. I can look it up now because we live together. (laughs) (laughs) I was really sad to hear what had happened to Chie, which is my Korean name. But I was glad to see that she has already gone through a lot of healing. So one of the things that we do during H&D session is inviting Jesus into your traumatic memory and asking him to show you uh, where and, and where he was in that moment. Because God, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews 13.8. And when H&D didn't even exist or I didn't know of it uh, back then, and I wasn't, step out, I wasn't able to step out in faith to confess these things and to share with my brothers and sisters, God himself graciously came to me, and he healed my heart, and he was preparing me for something. Next picture. So this is in 2009 when John Michael revisited the States and led my H&D session in the States. So we're at a retreat in this picture, and I was able to, and he actually trained me to lead my, lead my own H&D sessions as well for the people, brothers and sisters in Virginia. So then that, at that retreat center, we, John Michael was uh, leading a, a sister from our school on a spontaneous H&D at an altar, uh, and I was able to guide him, and I was able to aid him with you know, prophetic vision or words. So that was really awesome to see God just u- utilizing me right away <laughs> for an HND, right? And during my HND session, I experienced a lot of healing, but it was mostly about my family because God had already done his work and healing in my heart regarding the rape incident. So God just was working through the portion of my healing that wasn't touched uh, yet, right? And you can tell a lot by a picture, and you can see the difference in my face uh, from the last picture. Go back to the last picture. (laughs) Gloomy, right? Gloomy. Next picture. (laughs) Very happy. (laughs) Yeah, but it shows on your face. Everybody, it's it's so cool to see when we lead an H&D session how different that person looks from the beginning of the session and by the end of the session. It's like a totally different person. And that is so amazing. It's so amazing. And, um, and I came out to Korea at the end of 2010. And how I came out and why I came out, it's, it's, a, it's, a total, it's another sermon. So I won't like, describe it in detail. But long story short, I just felt God call me to Korea to fight the spirit of depression and suicide, especially in the entertainment mountain. So when I came out, I had to quit my job in the States, and I stayed with Semi for three months. I just kind of bummed at her house and ate her food. Uh, so I was somewhat homeless and jobless, and I just waited upon the Lord for the next step for about three months. And God aligned everything so perfectly during those three months, and he provided me with a job. He provided me with a housing, with you know, amazing roommates, and he even provided me with a husband. Next picture. <laughs> so this is a picture from my wedding. And <laughs> what glory. <laughs> and now I think people can understand who, pe- those who are not from Virginia Tech why it was such a shocking news 
for Michael and I to be getting together and to get married. Um, but when I came out in 2010, I was at a totally different place than where I was in, in the first picture. And I guess John Michael noticed that, and he prayed into it for a month, and he started pursuing me. And there he was. He was the very person who knows everything about me more than anybody in this whole world. And the very person who taught me what love is, and he was offering to love me for the rest of my life. I told myself I'm not going to cry today. (laughs) (laughs) Holy Spirit does his work. Um, So church, I'm standing here today as a living testimony of God's redemption power. God doesn't, uh, didn't only restore me from the deepest um, depression and self-hatred, but he gave me hope and a future for a godly family. He truly knew the plans he had for me, plans to prosper me, not to harm me, plans to give me hope and a future, Jeremiah 29-11. And God also saved my dad and my brother in the last few years. And my dad, the one who used to be very aggressive and angry and depressed, he only talks about God whenever I call him now. And I'm the one that doesn't that wants to talk about something else. <laughs> like, can, can we talk about something else? Um, so church, I have two simple points with my message today. You ready? Yes. You know, I was most, more scared about Matt Walker than anything else about <laughs> preaching here. <laughs> every time the sign would go up, I would get really uh, nervous, even for Pastor Christian. <laughs> So please give me, show me grace today. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. So point number one. My first point is, HND is initially about you, but it's ultimately about God. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's about God. It's about God. <laughs> yes, God heals and delivers us because he loves us. And that's the first step. But it's, init- it's ultimately about him. It's ultimately about bringing glory to his name. Which means, if we had our H&D session and we um, haven't utilized our testimony as weapons to bring freedom to other people yet, then your H&D process is still ongoing. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But once you experience true freedom through healing and deliverance, True healing and deliverance is about bringing God the glory through your life and your past, whatever that may be. And all 11 of the core of our church have the most incredible testimonies, right? And they share their testimonies all the time on this pulpit. And I am really honored to be sharing about my testimony today. And um, I really believe that God was preparing me for this moment through all the things that, that has happened and Pastor Erin always shares about her past of partying, doing drugs, and, and <laughs> weed. Yes, thank you, Peter. <laughs> but why? Why does she do that? Is it for entertainment? No, right? Because when she shares about her past, and people see that she's not the same person anymore, and she's standing on this pulpit as a totally new creation, it brings hope. It breaks free. It breaks people free from the bondages and from the lies that they have to live in that sin, right? And in today's passage, Apostle Paul says, My grace is is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I, Paul, 
will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Right? When he says weaknesses, he's not just, just talking about his personality flaws or he's, he's not just talking about physical weaknesses. Because when you read a few verses before this, he's talking about how a thorn was given to me to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weaknesses. Right? Paul is talking about a suffering. And I'm not saying we need to all go out and ask for suffering <laughs> so we can be kept, um, I guess, humble. But the sufferings that God put in, in our lives, it is um, meant to be there so that God's power can be made perfect in them. Just like he used my thorn of broken family and rape and how he healed and restored, restored uh, through his power, and how that made, that was made perfect in him, only in him, we ought to do the same with our past. So I want to ask you guys a question. What would have happened if Paul, Apostle Paul, after God encountered him on the road to Damascus, and he rejoiced in his own salvation, yay, I'm saved, and thanked God for that he wasn't condemned for uh, all the persecutions that he has made, and just went on with his own life. What would Christianity look like today? And I want us to think about this one. What if Jesus, after he resurrected from the dead, said, Wow, God raised me from the dead. Wow, it really happened. And went straight to heaven. People would have wondered what happened to his body and made some assumptions and just moved on. And... People, then that way people would have never known about the death-defeating, sinner-saving grace of God. When I got married to John Michael, for the first time in my life, there was peace at home. And God even orchestrated things in my own family to really bless this marriage. And it was like my dream came true. And I have to confess, for a period of time, I wanted to avoid everything that would take or disturb this peace away. Uh, because and I didn't really min- want to minister to people with the same issues because that reminded me of things, and I'm a feeler, so I would feel their pain, and I didn't want to feel pain anymore, and I wanted to run away from it. And uh, yeah, I wasn't really up for boasting about my weaknesses because I didn't want to do anything to do with it anymore. Um, but guess what started happening? My life became bland, very bland. <laughs> like, um, yeah, like the movie, like marriage is great every day, you know, really awesome marriage. But I felt like something was missing. My life lost its spice, like gochujang spice. And <laughs> church, our lives without the testimony of God is bland. That's why I'm standing here today, because I want the fun back. I want the excitement back. And I want to see people being set free just by hearing my testimony and to have hope for their own lives. So church, let's tell our neighbors, let's spice things up. Let's spice things up. All right. 
And this is my second point. Point number two is your past is your key to the future. Your past is your key to the future. So last year in November, Pastor Dave Givens from New Song Church came to New Philly and ministered to us. And he gave a seminar to only the leaders, and it was titled Building and Destiny. And he talked about how we need to ask God the right questions in order for us to understand how to build and to understand our destiny. And one of the questions was, what is my pain? What is my pain? And his point was, and message was so great, so awesome, I just decided to quote some of them. So Pastor Dave said, you go, what? Pain? I thought it was about strength. I thought it was about my spiritual giftedness. I thought it was about my personality. Let's think theologically. How would Jesus do this? When he picked his 12 disciples, what was he looking for? People in pain. People who are the misfits, the outsiders, people who struggled. So maybe pain is really the determiner of destiny. When Jesus thought about the Father's will, he saw the cross. He had to go towards the cross. He couldn't bypass it. The cross was actually a part of Jesus' destiny. Your pain will help dictate what your future is about, not just your strengths. And I can testify to this when I see the way God is using me right now. And see, God gave me an amazing ministry that came came with John Michael. And it's an orphanage ministry. And I get to work with all different kinds of kids from broken homes or even no homes. And most of them have much worse stories than mine. And only reason I can relate to these kids and to understand a fraction of their pain is because of my weakness of growing up in a broken, abusive home. And I mentioned earlier that God gave me a heart for people with depression and suicidal spirit because I once was, and I grew up with one, my mom. I know what it feels like to be hopeless. I know what it feels to be trapped in darkness. I know the pain of people who has a suicidal family member. One time I had a chance to share my testimony with a celebrity in Korea. And when I told her that I was raped, she didn't even flinch. Normally, when I tell my testimony, especially on our first day of small group, when I just met these girls and I tell them my testimony, most of them cry, and I don't mean to make them cry. But, you know, they're just getting blessed uh, and also shocking as well for them. But this girl, when I told her what happened to me, she just looked at me as if I was so normal. It's probably because there are so many like that in the entertainment industry, right? So when I look at my life, it only makes sense why I'm in the place I am. Why I'm ministering to certain people I get to minister to. Pastor Dave also said this, embracing your humanity, your pain, and then you take it until you see it as a part of your destiny, and then it becomes your gift. What's your pain will guide you into your future. Then your pain doesn't only become your strength, but it becomes your gift. You got to not only confess, repent, and renounce of all your past and be healed from it, but embrace it as a part of your destiny and your gift. I'm going to end with this quote. I think I'm on time. (laughs) Yes. 
It's a line from a book called The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. How many of you guys read the book? Yay. I encourage you to read it, even though I didn't finish reading it yet. <laughs> but even just first couple uh, chapters of the book, just, yeah. So she was a Dutch Christian who was sent to concentration camp during the World War II for helping the Jews escape. And her father and her sister were actually killed in the camp. And she eventually released, she was eventually released from the camp. And after the release, she wrote many books, including this one, The Hiding Place, and traveled to 60 different countries preaching, and many people got saved through her story. And this is a quote from the very beginning of the book. And remember, this lady is the one who witnessed her father and her sisters getting killed in the concentration camp. And she went through the torture by herself. And um, this is what she says. Today, I know that such memories are the key not to the past, but to the future. I know that the experiences of our lives, when we let God use them, become the mysterious and perfect preparation for the work he will give us to do. Church, we're in the year of inspiration, right? And did you like my slideshow? Very inspiring slideshow. (laughs) And I feel like God is telling us to go back to our past for inspiration. I just want to share as a, like uh, Pastor Myung introduced me. I did study architecture and I'm so-called the artsy person that everybody refers to. But inspiration is not only for artsy, drawing people who stare at the wall and write songs. (laughs) But it's actually... (laughs) It is. You know, there are those people are artsy too. But it's actually... Inspiration is anything that is kind of outside of the box. Something that you've always been used to. And when you just step out of that box for whatever other different route that you take, that's called inspiration. And I just want to encourage everyone that inspiration isn't as hard as it, we think it is. We just need to step out of whatever box we're in. And um, I want us to really remember, like Pastor Aaron preached, remember our testimonies. Because every single one of us has a story, a past, a gift, eventually a weapon. And our past is our key to the future. And before we build, I want us to understand what we are building upon, what our foundation is. The foundation of the testimony of Jesus, what that is, really helps us to, exp- uh, to be expelled. No, expel is a bad word. <laughs> to really propel, thank you, <laughs> propel into our future that God has prepared for us. So, Yeah. That is the end of my message. Let's pray. (laughs) I'm going to lead us into just time of uh, prayer and reflection. I want
want everyone to close your eyes and take a moment to look back to your past and remember. And I want us to ask God, God, from my past and from these testimonies, what do you want to use? And I just want us to just take time and listen to him. For some of us, it can be like a broken family like mine. Or a different lifestyle that you have lived uh, that you turned away from. I know that God put us in our workplaces for a reason. And that there's specific things that God has done in your life that he's wanting to use now. And I want us to say a prayer to him of dedicating these stories and these uh, weapons unto him and asking him, God, I want to use these for your kingdom. I want to share of your goodness. I want to share of how amazing you are. I want to share of your, your powerful redemption work that you have done in my life through people that are around me. I pray for deep healing upon this congregation today, Lord. Lord, there's nothing, there's no pain, no past that you cannot remove. There's no pain that you cannot heal, Lord. And there's nothing in our life that we cannot use for your kingdom, God. I pray, Father, that you will touch every single one of the ones in the congregation, Lord, who need your healing, Lord. I pray, Father, that you will come and just shower them with your love. Shower them with the truth, Father, that they are beautiful sons and daughters in your eyes. That apart from the past, Lord, which you have sent your son to cleanse us from, Lord, and to forgive us of all our sins, that you see us as pure bride. You see us pure as white as snow, God. I thank you, Father, that I can stand here and share the goodness of you, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you will multiply, multiply these testimonies today. Pray, Father, that the word that have that has gone out to everyone, Lord, it will be planted in their hearts, God, and that it will be multiplied unto the city of Seoul. That we will make a difference, that we will shift things in, in the spirit, Lord, through our testimonies, God. And that we will be filled with your boldness and courage to speak up and to just step out of the box, Father, to live the inspirational life for you, God.
I thank you, God, for what you're doing in this room. And I pray, Father, that you will continue, uh, continue to just shower them with your love, God. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.